This is the show for those who want to live strong in business, life, and family. Welcome to the Warrior Her Podcast. Lisa Sade, better known as the Mindful Psychotherapist, is a licensed psychotherapist in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, specializing in anxiety, stress, and trauma, and the owner of Mindful Life Solutions, LLC. She's a mindful life enthusiast who takes a holistic approach towards helping and healing. Having undergone her own journey of trauma, healing, stress, and burnout, Lisa has dedicated her life to teaching others how to break through limiting mindsets rooted in the past to manifest peace and happiness in their present. As a true advocate of healing, she offers community awareness and support on a local and global scale. It's her passion and mission to help others live a more mindful life today. Please welcome Miss Lisa. Um, Well, hello, Courtney. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Lisa. I am a licensed psychotherapist in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I specialize in anxiety, stress, and trauma. And my background, um, I actually was born in New York. I moved to Pennsylvania um, when I was pretty young, like around three years of age. And I grew up there pretty much for the most part until high school. And then around ninth grade, I moved to Florida. So I've kind of lived a few different places. And then in my adulthood, moved around a bit as well. Um, But um, a, a huge part of why I do what I do does relate to my childhood. And so, you know, for me, that's really where my passion comes from and wanting to serve others in the community and really help people to heal from the things that they've been through. Um, you know, as I mentioned, like I work a lot with trauma. So, you know, PTSD or even complex post-traumatic um, stress disorder. And um, I am also a survivor of childhood trauma. Um, you know, I grew up in a household that had a lot of um, abuse and emotional, physical, also, you know, um, domestic violence, um, alcohol abuse and, and things like that. So, um, I, it was really tough for me and, um, you know, growing up, I say like, you know, I grew up really fast as a lot of people who, you know, have also experienced trauma, maybe have, have had to do that as well. It's kind of like, um, you know, you have to be strong, you have to learn, at a very early age. And so um, I think I, I definitely learned a lot about like my own resilience and, and things like that. But um, I, and that's part of what attracted me to, you know, psychology and uh, wanting to help people in the first place was kind of seeing this dysfunction in my own life and really feeling very confused and helpless, not understanding, and wanting to explore that more. And that kind of eventually led me into uh, being a therapist and then a trauma specialist. So that's a little bit about um, my. Did you know when you were a child that this was not 
normal or did you not realize that until you started maybe like hanging out with friends and seeing different people's lives that there was something off? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, No, I did not know that it wasn't normal, I would say. And unfortunately, I think, you know, a lot of people have that experience too. They just know that it doesn't feel good, obviously. Um, But you also don't really know anything else because that's your environment. Um, And for me also, there's also some cultural things that... um, my family is from Latin American descent. And um, at least in, in my family culture, there was a lot of um, like patriarchal stuff going on as well. So like as a female growing up, um, I wasn't really allowed to socialize or have friends or like be outside of the home until much later on um, in my life. So Um, obviously I knew like I wasn't happy and I was, you know, a lot of pain and suffering, but I don't think I really got a a lens of what, I don't even want to say normal, but like healthy, you know, might look like until probably like in my teen years, I would say that was when it started. And that was because at that point, my parents, um, went through a divorce And so it wasn't until like they were separated and we were, you know, kind of living away from my dad that I was able to start having more what we would say like quote unquote normal freedoms, like going to friends' houses and kind of doing things like that, that I could see something different Um, and just be able to see kind of how in other people's households, like things could be calm, you know, like. People don't always have to yell or scream or, you know, do other things or, or be violent or aggressive necessarily. Um, uh, you know, being able to see families, like my friends' families, I remember that in high school. Um, I just remember, like, it being quiet. <laughs> as silly as that sounds, but I remember, like, how quiet my friends' houses were. And also just like how they were able to kind of have like the different a different relationship with their parents um it was more like conversational more open and I had never really experienced that mine was always like you know like very authoritarian like you know your dad says this or like this is whatever is set for you and so you follow that rather than you know being able to ask things or like kind of do things and have a sense of like, I saw my friends kind of having more of like, like their own identity a little bit. And I didn't really have that. Um, I just started kind of even seeing like, oh, wait a minute, like this is, I guess, like a thing you can do. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. It's interesting how even as children, yeah, you know, you're able to pick up on things that like you said, it doesn't feel good. So they may not, right. you, know, you might not have been able to put that into words or really been able to express like, hey, this is really, it's uncomfortable that I can't have my own opinion or that I'm not able, you know, that you're yelling at me for something. Mm-hmm. And I think that we discount, I, I have kids and I realized yeah. a lot of my own childhood traumas and things that I went through that I started to kind of do to my kids. And it was 
a really eye-opening experience, but also mm-hmm. um, a necessary one to con- like break that cycle of, okay, well, you didn't want this, but it's just, I think we discount children a lot and children know a lot more than they're able to communicate sometimes. Oh, Yeah. For sure. And that's amazing. You know, you were able to see that. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of people don't necessarily see that, you know, they're not able to or maybe not willing out of a lot of different reasons like fear or, um, you know, sometimes there's this family culture um, where they kind of perpetuate those patterns, right? Um, Like, for example, like my family was kind of about like, well, family business stays in the family, you don't talk about it. So that's also part like, you can't see something different or really understand that there's something different or wrong because you just have all these people kind of perpetuating the same thing, you know? Um, So it's amazing when someone's able to kind of, I I kind of call it like you are able to like wake up almost like, like you're sleeping and you're able to kind of wake up and then create like a new pattern. Like, you know, you're having like a new relationship with like you and your kids. And like, that's amazing. You're able to have, create something different for the next generation. That's so beautiful. It's definitely a challenging thing because, Oh yeah. You know, you're, uh, I'm used to, I'm used to doing things a certain way. And so, yeah, I think it takes a lot of self-awareness and it takes a lot of wanting to grow and being Mm -hmm. okay that it's not going to look the same. Yes. And a lot of people are not there, you know, they're, they're, I think, especially with kids they are so focused on like, I'm going to make you this person and you need to be this person that it's like, we forget that we're still raising humans who are going to be their own person. (laughs) Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. That's kind of been my mentality on parenting is I want to give them tools, but I don't want to make them a robot or make them me they're not me or my husband right they're their mm-hmm. own little person and if I believe if we can harness that as soon as possible then the quality of life for them will be tremendously better absolutely for sure because and you know as they grow up like they have to learn how to function in the world have have their own experience their own relationship and make their own decisions so um that's such an important piece of it you know, to, to learn that earlier, I would say earlier on is great. This way, I think it helps you to learn those problem solving skills that, you know, kids need um, as they become adults to make good decisions for themselves, you know, and, and be authentic. Um, That's a huge thing too. You know, Um, I don't think I learned what it was like to really be like my authentic self. Oh, until like the last few years, honestly, like when, you know. And do you think like that had anything 20s. to deal, anything to do with your training and just learning, just learning? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, training as well. I mean, I also did, you know, do my own trauma counseling. Um, so like, I'm a big supporter. I've seen it from both sides, you know, Um And I think I really needed that to really kind of fully step in. And obviously there's still more work I have to do. Um, 
so it was a combination of definitely getting some more training, more advanced training, I would say, but also just working with people like uh, the majority of my career um, for the last, you know, eight years or so has been working with a lot of uh, survivors of trauma. And so I think being able to see it from that perspective again and again, like they, there's a saying like, you know, you, you do, we do learn from our clients and we grow like as a person too. So that was really humbling, you know, to, for other people to be able to share their experiences with me and then, you know, be, um, you know, a guide or a support for others that also helped me to grow in my own areas that I needed to, to grow and heal, you know. And why psychotherapy versus psychiatry or psychologist? Um, so there's, I don't know if it's a funny story. For me, it's really interesting, I guess, because it's kind of like an aha thing. So I was, I guess, like, I became interested in psychology, like in the mind in 10th grade, I took a psychology course. And then after that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to learn more, mostly because again, like a lot of the dysfunction I had seen in my own family and things like that. Um, and, you know, with myself, that that really attracted me to that. Um, but it wasn't actually until I was in college, undergrad, I want to say, um, and I met this one professor and I remember just telling them kind of about like my, I guess the way I like conceptualize things. And my, I have a big thing about family systems and, um, you know, I've already talked about my family, right? <laughs> like some things like that. Uh, but also like how, you know, with treatment, sometimes it's about like the individual and just what's going on with them and not always so much focus on the environment that they've been in or the environment they're currently in or the environment they're going to be in, you know, in terms of relationships. So I take a big um, focus on relationship because nobody lives in a bubble, you know? Um, so learning about the environment and how people interact with it, whether, you know, it's healthy or unhealthy is really important to, to help people. I think when it comes to, significant change in their life. So I was kind of talking to a professor about this. And then they were, they told me something about, they were like, oh, well, what you're talking about actually sounds a lot like uh, marriage and family therapy. And I had never heard of that before. So kind of after that, I researched it and I ended up, that's actually what I have a master's in is um, marriage and family therapy. And, you know, as a licensed psychotherapist, like I'm, you know, able to work with a lot of different things, but that's kind of also like a large part of my background and my training is looking at the bigger picture for people. When did you decide that you wanted to have your own practice? Um, when did I decide I wanted to have my own practice? That's another story <laughs> that relates more to, I think like stress and burnout. Um, I had been working in nonprofit sector for several years and I kind of went from one job to the other thinking like, you know, things will be better or just feeling like really drained and stressed, um, overworked. And, um, the last job I had, it, it was a really significant time in my life, I think. Um, and not just for me, for a lot of people 
the company, they shut down a lot of, you know, different um, regions all over the state. And that was really challenging. Um, I think it really took me to a different place than I had ever been in terms of uh, stress and burnout. And so I, I kind of had this thing where I was like, I have to do something different. Like I could go to another agency, but I think it's just going to kind of be the same thing. Um, and so for me, I think that was part of me going into private practice was for my own well-being, that I could recognize that this is going to be a good thing for me to be able to uh, determine, you know, like when I work and how I work and what that looks like. Um, because I was a chronic um, a workaholic, I guess you could say, in that um, like in three years um, before I went into private practice, I actually didn't go on a vacation. I think I took like five days or something in like three years. And I had actually left two jobs and cashed out all my vacation time and lost extra vacation time at both places. So that was all part of that realizing like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm not taking care of myself, you know? Um, my friendships, my relationships, my self-care. Um, so that was a, a lot in this field. Yeah, it really does. It's really sad, you know. Um, I think we all have to kind of go on our own journey, but that was mine. So for me, private practice is really about also like how I take care of myself. So I'm a big supporter for people. <laughs> And helping them, you know, like when they're dealing with stress or work and kind of, it, it doesn't obviously have to be like, okay, you go into private practice, but there's other things that you can do. I believe at, in no matter what situation you're in, you can engage in self-care. You can, you know, do, I think, yourself a service in managing stress in a healthier way. But you just have to be aware of it, I think, is the biggest thing. And, and see how it's affecting you. Um, and then take those, those steps to do it. It doesn't have to be a huge dramatic thing. Um, but it's definitely possible. We have to learn how to take care of ourselves for sure. And, and especially if, you know, there are people listening who maybe they're in this field or something mm-hmm. similar where, they're not going to necessarily open their own practice, but you can, you know, ask your employer. That's, you know, if taking care of your like self-care is part of their business model and it sounds mm-hmm. silly, <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of yeah. weird and it's definitely an uncomfortable conversation, but you're going to know a lot about the business itself. If they want you to take care of yourself going on, you know, days off where you need to like mental health days. I've seen mm-hmm. companies that do that where it's like, you have like your mental health days and it's part of your leave. Yeah. And it's so crazy because it's something I think that is like newly starting to happen. I didn't really hear about that kind of stuff before, but luckily there is a shift, you know, in our society. I think that mental health is coming more into the forefront. People are recognizing how important it is to, you know, take care of yourself and and those sorts of things. So that's a wonderful question to ask, Um, you know, I think a potential job that you're interested in is like, you know, what does that look like? And like what supports or benefits maybe do they have in place for that? How do they handle certain situations like that? Like for me, I remember like, I say kind of like almost went through this breakdown 
but I did. And a lot, it was, again, it was not just me. Um, There's a lot of people. And I remember even calling like HR and like trying to get help. And their response was basically like, well, it is what it is. So you either do it or like, just don't be here. And like, that is so just soul crushing. I have to tell you from like an employee perspective to, you know, HR is supposed to be there to help you. And in that situation, I just felt like, okay, this is the culture of this, this, you know, this organization. And so I, I, I can't be in here. Like, this is not going to work. So it, I think it's helpful to understand going in ahead of time. I, th- I think there's things that you can ask that will give you at least some kind of clue or inclination that like, okay, that this might be good. This might be a good environment or like, no, some work cultures, this is going to be toxic. And maybe I don't want to work here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I think too, just making sure that if you are listening and you're going into a job or something, you can ask, you know, maybe you're uncomfortable asking about certain mental health related but you can ask like hey what's your vacation policy like Mm -hmm. if they don't ever want you going anywhere that might be a sign (laughs) just Mm -hmm. right that might be a sign that they don't want you to take care of you and maybe they're micromanagers you know just certain things that you know could could hint just going to want you to take to just work 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 which is not right for anyone I learned that the hard way and I was Mm -hmm. lucky enough myself to to go to my company that I was working with and say hey I need to step back way back Mm -hmm. they're super supportive and it oh that's amazing yeah that's so great but that's (laughs) (laughs) but you know uh what, what so tell me what the business process was like to open up your practice did you have to use loans did you you know use your own personal money what what did that look like um so I've been on a journey I'm all about journeys so that's one thing to know about me (laughs) I would say but um so like my first journey I guess or first leg of my journey um it was just kind of starting off and there's a lot of different ways that you can open your practice, but it was more just kind of renting from someone like kind of part-time. Um, and that's an option. A lot of people I think do it's less overhead, you know, less risk. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you can grow. Um, you don't have to like risk as much. You just kind of like, and are you more talking as, about, like as you in grow a commercial space like renting out a room in a commercial space from um like subleasing okay. yeah exactly like subleasing <clears throat> excuse me so I did that I would say for a good like year and a half just about um you know part of it like I did save money up before um because like I said like at the time at that previous job, like I knew like, okay, I'm going to have to do something. I want to do my own business. So I started saving for a while before. And, and then, um, you know, I, I decided to go that route. It just seemed safer for me. Um, and I think also I needed to build my confidence up too, as a professional, like, believe it or not, I'm still human. Right. And 
sometimes like this imposter syndrome or scarcity mindset can kind of set in for people. And you feel like, am I, do I really, am I really going to make it? Can I really do this? Um, who do I, who do I think I am? Right. <laughs> to, you know, try to like open my own business and all of that. Like, I think I'm a great therapist, but like as a business person, that was all new to me. Like I had to learn so much. Um, so I would say also listening to podcasts, like business podcasts was really helpful <laughs> in figuring out what was right for me. Um, so yeah, a year and a half, I did that. And then actually, uh, recently this last month, I finally took the leap to open like my own complete solo practice. So I just did that like this last week. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm really excited <laughs> for sure. And um, I'm really looking forward to the future and what it's going to bring. Uh, but I think for me, I, I needed to have that like year or so to build my confidence and feel like, okay, like, hey, you're doing this. You can do it. Um, and now, you know, I feel like I did it in a way that I feel good about. Um, but then obviously this time doing it that way, like I did have to have uh, more financial backing. So that was, you know, an understanding that I have again, like kind of just saving up to be able to do that for myself. Um, so you used your own, you just saved. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you didn't take out any like you know, business loans or as of yet? No. Yeah, I really didn't want to do that. Um, I felt like that was, you know, this was kind of the way that I wanted to go. So, um, yeah. I mean, but some people do. I, again, it just depends. Like, I prefer not to if I don't have to. Um, I think it's important to highlight that you talk about that fear and mm-hmm. like imposter syndrome, especially because a lot of the the women who are listening to this either are going to be in the same position where they're starting, or maybe they've never had that experience of imposter syndrome. But to understand that, like you you keep going through the fear, mm-hmm. regardless, and that's how you're going to win. Is to just yeah. It's scary. Like where everyone's human, or people will say like, "Courtney, how do you do all these things? Like you're doing this and that." And it's like, I'm shit. I'm scared as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every day, every day, it's like, oh man. Or you're, you know, as a business owner, you're constantly learning. Constantly, oh, you're for constantly sure. learning. You're learning about marketing. You're learning about follow up. You're learning about scheduling. You're learning about oh crap, that new law. Now I have to pay this tax. Right. Constantly learning. And it's something, you know, you talk, you talked about podcasts in the podcast and that's kind of how this podcast came about because I was like, there's not a lot of women (laughs) doing this. Like talking about like business, but then also having really authentic conversations and being open to sharing their stories and what they're doing. So that's how I ended up deciding like this is what I want to do and and mm-hmm. there's so many women who are the same you know they're somewhere along the lines of either starting a business or wanting to start a business or now they're scaling their business which requires an additional set of skills and knowledge right and where are the women podcasts here we are <laughs> <laughs> here I love are. that yeah I think 
the biggest, I don't know, like advice, unsolicited advice or thing for me, I guess, is really knowing your why. Like, why are you wanting to go into business for yourself? And like I, like I mentioned earlier, for me, it was for that freedom in terms of like stress, like to have a less stressful life. So everything that I do in my business, the decisions that I make always stem and I, I practice a lot of mindfulness and part of it is like really knowing who you are and respecting and listening to what you need, right? And, um, and honoring that. So all the decisions that I make in my business go back to that why. So sometimes like there's been like what you could say are quote unquote good opportunities um, business wise that maybe I've turned down or decided to go like a different direction because I felt like this is going to add, obviously there's a certain amount of stress with everything. Right. <laughs> um, but I can recognize like, Oh, I think like that's going to add more than not necessarily more than I can handle, but more than is healthy for me, more than is good for me. And so that's not a good business decision for me to make then because that, contradicts the whole reason of why I'm here right now you know so for me taking my time doing it the way I did I think was right um because I've been able to maintain that and being able able to maintain like the level of self-care that I feel like is good for me and that I want and that's not to say like yeah it doesn't fluctuate right sometimes things do get a little bit hectic <laughs> and then they calm down but I still uh I, I think I'm always aware or always kind of trying to be present with myself and in that regard and the decisions that I make. So that's a big thing I would say, you know, stick to your, stick to your guns, especially like as a woman, like we all have so many demands, right. From our family, you know, um, maybe you have kids or a spouse or, you know, other things or your peers are saying something, but like, do you, what is it that you really want? And, go with that <laughs> that's great advice yeah it's a lot it's very simple but very effective advice but very challenging too yeah it's I can't tell you like it's scary again like that fear of like oh well like oh I don't want to miss out on this great opportunity or something like that but again like what's going to come along with that is that even aligned with you so many people do things, I think, for the wrong reasons. And then they find themselves in a situation where it's like kind of defeated the whole purpose of them doing, you know, going into business for themselves in the first place. And it does not have to be that way. You just got to find your own kind of path. <laughs> and when, since you just, you recently opened up your own solo practice, what do you mm -hmm. think is um, like the average cost for that what do you think that was like did you have to like are you just renting a building um you know did you need new materials and you know, people <laughs> forget like people forget that oh yeah things as business owners right like I need paper I need pens I need decorations oh, yeah. I might need to redo the flooring I might need a bed I might need a couch um yeah. what do you what would you say is like the price that you paid um for your practice I mean you can do it I've seen some or known some people that do it for like, yeah, like a couple hundred dollars to like several, like tens of thousands of dollars. Honestly, it really can range. I think a part of it is like what area you're in, what you're looking for, the square footage. Um, for me, I did want to keep my costs low 
so I didn't want to get let's say an office that was like more than like a couple hundred a month I did go a little over my budget but I think I found something that would like really felt like it was the right fit for me um so I was looking for a while um and I definitely needed to buy a bunch of new stuff for sure like to furnish it that's that's a big thing I think even even I underestimated that <laughs> like what that was going to be in my mind <laughs> versus what it ended up being mm-hmm. um but again I think having taken my time and waiting till I felt like okay like I have enough money I have like an, an extra so I saved like a couple grand you know um to do that and um and that worked for me but like some people you know, that's what like shoestring budget, you can go in and get an office for like, again, depends on where you live, like some people like, you know, two, 300 bucks, and maybe you have a bunch of stuff that somebody, you know, handed down to you, or you just had used, maybe like extra stuff in your house, or like a friend, and you can do it very inexpensively. Um, but I definitely so feel like, so it's really mostly just like the cost of your rent. And yeah, whatever, that's a big thing. maybe like rent, electric if that um is not included in the commercial space you're renting like i'm just trying to give people an idea of maybe what like what the actual like expenses could be oh yeah to make it more well rent more understandable for them okay yeah so concrete wise like um most commercial spaces just like i think if you're renting like a apartment or something like first last security so you want to have like if you have a budget in mind you want to go like three times whatever you think you're going to spend, know that you're going to need that at least up front to probably so acquire the property. So space for $300 people, just right. so you guys can get a bit yeah. <laughs> Right? If you're going to rent a space for $300 yeah. a month, then you're going to need probably a minimum of 900 just to move in. Pure minute. Well, and then there's just a little bit more in. too because you also need a gen- most of the time like a city tax license. It depends on where you're living. Mm-hmm. Um like in Fort Lauderdale, that was like a hundred bucks or something like that. Um, if you have like an actual license, like for me, you know, um, being a therapist, like I have to have license. I also have to have um, liability insurance. So mm-hmm. that costs money. It depends on where you go for that. Some people, depends on the company, like pay a couple hundred a year for that or, you know, less. So that's something you have to take into consideration. So yeah, you have like first, last and security, whatever city or county taxes that uh, tax licenses you might have to get. If you have a professional license, you know, getting malpractice or whatever like that. Um, So taking that into consideration, what else was it? Um, Furnishing, I want to say there's probably some other stuff too. Internet. Yeah. I think a big thing is to making sure that you ask questions about like what's included and what's not included in getting the space. Uh, I saw a lot of places that hours, maybe hours that you're able to be there. Yeah. That's another thing too. Like, is it going to be worth it? Do they allow subletting? That's another thing. Like maybe if you're not there all the time, share a practice with someone. Right. And you want to like have, bring your costs down like do they allow that you want to ask those types of questions is electric included some places it is some places it's not um I wanted to make sure I got some place that had that so I don't have to worry about that because like 
it's just more stuff Mm -hmm. to like keep track of, um, you know, Oh, like building hours. That was a big thing too. Um, the building that I am in, like, I can have access 24 seven if I want. I mean, there's like security, you know, um, and all of that, but, uh, some places are only open like nine to five. And if you have like a non-traditional business or you're not working, you know, quote unquote, regular business hours, you want to know that upfront because you don't want to sign a lease. And then you're, you know, like trying to see people or do your job, you know, do your work and you can't have access to what you're paid for. Um, so that's another thing too. Well, and who like, one. yeah, who manages repairs? This is all fresh for me. Cause like I said, like, this has just been like this week. <laughs> so now it's like on the top of my head. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. all of these things. Um, but yeah, like who's responsible for repairs or if the, you know, the property owner decides like they want to upgrade certain things. Some places they'll split the cost between tenants. Some won't. Are they going to pay for that? Like if they redo the parking lot, things like that, little things like that. You want to kind of know up front. Because you could estimate one price and then, you know, I've heard some nightmares with some other people and then they end up getting a bill for like several extra hundred dollars or thousand dollars because the owner decided they wanted to upgrade something and they didn't, you know, have that in plan. Read the fine print. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So for anybody who's listening also understand that there's a lot that goes into business okay so Mm -hmm. as an employee you have certain benefits even though you're still an employee and it might feel shitty but you still do not have the stressors of being a business owner it is not an easy thing to do at all however no it's attainable and if that's what you want for your life then you can make it happen. So I do just want to ask a few more questions. We'll go into segment three. Yeah. Um, and then I will let you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, one, one thing I just wanted to say about that um, is if there's things you don't know, learn them before you do them with business. And you, so you can, how you say you can have it, it's attainable, but like, I'm really bad with numbers and things like that. So I made, I did a lot of research before I made the decisions I made because I had to learn. So if you know this is my weak area, like focus on that 10 times harder um, <laughs> so that you can be more prepared and be successful. Yeah, that's good. There's a, you know, there's so many like marketing and then, you know, that mm-hmm. that's kind of what I wanted to ask is with your services, how do most of your clients find your services is there marketing involved yeah um I do a lot of online marketing stuff I learned all of that 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 I had no idea about like SEO um (laughs) like doing a website I did everything myself I've pretty much been like a one-man band um but I I had the time and um and I've been very diligent in trying to learn whenever I hear something that somebody's like, oh, this can help you. You know, I try to research that and learn about it. So um, I've done a lot of online marketing. So I do a lot of social media. I have a big, I think, like, I try to have a good social media presence. Um, and I think that helps to connect with people, at least from what I've done. I do, like, a lot of videos and, like, audio things just um, 
like tips and or like educational things for people. And that's been helpful. Um, I think for people that are looking for therapists and they see my videos online, whether on like Instagram or Facebook or on my website and, um, and and I think it helps them feel like connected and um, you know, that I'm able to speak to whatever issue they have and blogging. I've done that too. So. um, So you specialize in with, um, EMDR. Can you just briefly explain to people what that is and what that looks like in a session? Yeah. So EMDR stands for, um, get ready, <laughs> eye movement desensitization and reprocessing uh, therapy. And basically, what's like the best little simplest way to explain it is it uses. Um, bilateral stimulation so like either let's say like tapping or eye movements like where you I guess like follow someone's hand or like a light bar things like that along with identifying certain certain uh, memories or certain images and um, emotions in the body so it's like a mind-body-based form of psychotherapy that helps to release trauma maybe that's stored in the body Um, and so basically the way it works is it simulates the same process that we have during REM sleep Um, so if you know about you know like REM sleep like that's the like the dreaming part of sleep and they say it's very important for like um, consolidating certain things in our waking life that we experience like a body kind of healing So like if you're tired, um, sometimes like, or if you're not getting good sleep, like long enough, that's one of the things that they say is, you know, probably going on. Like maybe you're not going in REM sleep. You're not having that because we need that. So it simulates kind of that same process of the brain's healing and consolidating process, but you're awake. If that kind of makes sense, I try to. Yeah. Yeah. But are there, so there are, is anyone not like a good fit for this type of therapy are there any type of like a, a certain type of maybe severity in trauma or um is there anyone who would like wouldn't qualify for that type of therapy um well it, emdr is not just for trauma therapy i would say like it's been you know uh, used with depression anxiety even some personality disorders um but who wouldn't be a good candidate? Probably it's not that you wouldn't be a good candidate, but you want to just work with someone who's experienced. And um, I think does the, because there's different phases, like does a, a good amount of prep work before maybe you go into like what we call the processing phase, which is like what EMDR is known for is like um, that like releasing phase of um, being able to bring up the memories and so it's kind of like not re-traumatizing, but like uh, experiencing like this intense emotion, but it releases it and it does heal the brain um, in a way. Like I've seen people make a lot of progress shorter than you can't get with talk therapy. Um, but I would say like maybe the one that I've seen is maybe borderline personality disorder 
Uh, you want to be, it, you, it's not that you can't use EMDR, but you want to be more careful with that um, just because a lot of that is related to like emotional um, dysregulation. So it's like people aren't really able to experience your emotions or manage them. So you want to just, again, do a lot of prep and um, safety beforehand. So, and what just are you would give people to help them either with an anxiety or maybe just some something that they could do, like starting now? Starting now with anxiety, um, I love telling people to do, uh, to just get to know their body in terms of like what they're feeling. You know, um, I do a lot of like body scanning with people. So tracking like where's their anxiety level like in the morning or the afternoon or later in the evening and starting to learn that for themselves um, and practice, you know, some different coping strategies. So deep breathing is like I'm such a huge supporter of deep belly breathing uh, to help regulate the nervous system. Um, but I think a lot of people like with anxiety, like when you have an anxiety attack or something is they're functioning at such a higher level in terms of anxiety, maybe like at is from zero to 10, they might be going around at like a six or seven all day, every day, but they don't know because they're so disconnected from their body. So when you start to tune into your body and recognize that, then you're able to better manage it. Um, so it doesn't have to get to that point where someone's having an anxiety attack necessarily. Um, so just start to tune into your body or what I call, I like to say, like, just start doing check-ins, check-ins with your body, noticing where you're at and asking yourself, maybe what do I need here? You know, do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to do some breathing? Do I need to just step away from whatever I'm doing right now at this moment and then come back to it? Um, just kind of starting that process, I think can be really helpful. And tell people where they can find you on social media. Um, social media on Facebook. I'm uh, under Mindful Life Solutions on Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me as uh, Instagram.com slash the mindful psychotherapist. Uh, so the the underscore mindful underscore psychotherapist. Um, those are the two main platforms um, that I'm on Instagram primarily. Hey guys, you want to know how you can keep supporting the show for as little as $1 a month? If you visit patreon.com slash warriorherpodcast, you can sign up on different levels. This will include access to early recordings, unedited versions, and even input on what guests I should have on the show next. Thank you so much for your support. Again, patreon.com slash warriorherpodcast. Thanks for listening to the Warrior Her podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode. Go like, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, Warriors, remember, girls really do run the world.